Hello, welcome to Sustainable 249. Welcome yourself all to Sustainable 249, you young, irrelevant person. How are you doing? Well, I was fine until I got called <laughs> irrelevant, but I'll take, well, I'll take young. Well, they're only both in comparison to the person that we are going to be talking about this week ah. on your friendly weekly environmental podcast, Sustainable, which is what we are into it all. Yes. Yes, and we'd like to have a talk about how just because things are wrinkly and grey, that doesn't mean they can't be sparkly and wonderful, yes? Correct. And what are we going to be talking about this week? We're going to be talking about Jesus, or as the name he more commonly goes by, Sir David Attenborough. Uh, You don't need any introduction as to who Sir David Attenborough is. If you do... Go and Google Sir David Attenborough. Yeah, some people might. We do have listeners in like all over the bloody shop. Like, we don't, you know, there might be someone in Malawi. We've got a listener in Malawi. I checked it out. Hello, person in Malawi. Don't know. Who oh, you really? Are. May not I know who David Attenborough is. Do you think that? Uh, okay, we'll come to this. But yes, all right. Let's just assume most people know who he is. Okay, we're going to be talking about David Attenborough. The reason we're going to be talking about David Attenborough because is because last Sunday. Uh, a week ago, as you're listening to this, probably he turned 96. It was his birthday, so we're saying hello, happy birthday, please don't die, David Attenborough. Yes, and we're going to be talking a little bit about he, but, um, a, a retrospective on his life, the stuff he's done, what is good, some of the stuff, what he's done, what is a bit in hoffish. We're going to talk about, like, isn't he amazing, but, like, how come he's so amazing? Is it a good thing that people think he's so amazing? Is he a bit of an in-hoff, actually? And if Ol and Dave lived to be 96, would people do what the hell we say? Ah, <sighs> we can but hope, Dave. Just <laughs> the usual disclaimer, Dave and I work for environmental charities, so if you've got any beef with anything we say, take it up with us, not with the people for whom we work. Yes? Yes, and we are a listener-funded podcast. So if what you hear makes you happy, muck happy face, and you want to contribute muck contribute face to the running costs of our organ muck organ, then you can do so by going to wobbly 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 dot sustainable. No, that's wrong. www.patreon.com slash sustainable, where you can join the small but growing and loyal but not big enough army of people who chuck in the price of a pint every month to help with the running costs of this organ and get special treats like knowing who we're going to be interviewing when we do interviews oh and apologies if you looked at the episode title of this and thought we were interviewing sir dave we ain't but if you're listening sir dave (laughs) we are prepared to interview you so you know drop us a line and before we get going on this week's babble here's a little trailer for another podcast you might like and don't worry it's not one of mine This is We The Power, a podcast from Patagonia all about community energy with me, Lucy Siegel. So we're back. This is the first episode of a brand new season of We The Power. We always wanted to say more about community energy because you had so many more questions. Then a few things happened. In a nutshell, the issue of how we get our energy and the impact of that could not be more critical. So in this brand new episode, Ukrainian environmental lawyer and climate activist Svetlana Romanka and Bill McKibben, the venerated climate activist, will explain just what is at stake. Right now, fossil fuels are powering the war in Ukraine. There's an intensifying energy crisis across Europe and the chance to address the climate crisis is slipping away. To put it simply, community energy is part of the fix and we need it now.
reasons to be cheerful. Right reasons to be cheerful, a section which doesn't get the attention that it deserves. But this week we're giving it lots of attention because we are exceedingly cheerful <clears throat> that the one, the only Sir David Attenborough is joining us today. Oh, no, no, that's not the reason. Uh, he is having a birthday. He's had a birthday. He's had, a He's birthday. had his 96th birthday, which is frankly wonderful. Uh, and he is majestic. And we wanted to say yay. For David Attenborough. It's rather difficult to see because it looks exactly like a dried leaf, but it's a stick insect. Now listen, Sir Dave, Dave, Davey mate, Dave. Here, it's begun to dawn on me, oh, that the single biggest marker of how old I am is not my baldness or my wrinkles or my knob jokes. It's that I'm called Dave. And there was a thing I saw on Instagram from a young person who was basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, Dave is a dead name. Mm. David's a finished. Um, so me and I think Sir the David, facts kind of bear that out, don't they? Like uh, no, they in terms do. of baby names, what? Yeah. Wow, where does David rank on baby names? Carry on. No, I'm not high. I mean, there's me, Dave the rapper, David Attenborough. That's about it left, and only Dave the rapper can really, you know, claim to be young. Oh yeah, and also you got to speak up this week as well because we had a tweet. We had a tweet from someone called Ruth who got very cross with me saying that you made a very good joke in last week's babble and I didn't hear it and I should have given it more attention. Really? Yes. Oh, fair play to Ruth. Hang on a minute. Do I know this, Ruth? You might, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> superb. Um, okay, well, I will speak up. Isn't the point not that I need to speak up, but you need to shut the f*** up when I'm speaking? Kids, you tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is, never try. <laughs> Who is David Attenborough? For the uninitiated, of which there may be a few, but I bet a load of people don't know all of his story and all of the you know many ways in which he has warped and wefted around this here environmental issue over the while. So, who he of? Well, yeah, okay. Well, he is most famously a wildlife TV presenter, a maker and presenter of fantastic programmes about the natural world. Um, I, like our parents' generation would probably cite uh, Life on Earth, which was a series that started in the late 70s, I think, early 80s. That was very famous. Yeah. And like one of... what? <laughs> Never mind our parents' generation, mate. Anyway, right, you. Oh yeah, you were like alive in that time, <laughs> weren't you? My God. You are old. Did you go to school with David Attenborough? <laughs> Which no. of you was Big Dave? <laughs> Get on with it. Okay, sorry. Anyway, the Life on Earth, one of the first kind of mainstream programs to kind of, uh, I guess, show the, the true kaleidoscopic beauty and variety of life on this planet um, and all very exciting and basically has made loads more of those sorts of series ever since and probably more than anybody else in British culture and arguably in Western culture has kind of introduced the variety and extraordinary diversity of the natural world to millions of people. Yeah, broad, it's such an extraordinary thing when you think about it. You can be sat in your house, flat, whatever the hell you people have got, and you, and you can be looking at a bird of paradise with some really nice bloke going, check out this this is amazing look what it's doing with its ass look at that look at that <laughs> females are very fussy 
and she'd expect his carefully choreographed routine to be faultless. He opens with a bow. Imagine when Calatelli came along in particular and did that. And, you know, and then Calatelli got better and better. And now some of the stuff now, and I know he doesn't like do the filming or any of that stuff, but the bloody hell, the definition and the quality and the shots they're getting in some of these things now, these, the amber is still fronting. It's yeah. amazing. It is amazing. Uh, one of the most pointless bits of the Wikipedia entry, which you're going to hear quite a lot from, incidentally, in the course of this episode, uh, <laughs> was when they said David Attenborough is the only person to have won BAFTAs, which are TV awards in the UK, in all <laughs> not, of the uh, categories. BIFTAs? No, I don't think, uh, I don't know what his history with BIFTAs is. Um, <laughs> I bet he's had. I imagine, I and imagine at 96. He's having quite a few of whatever the hell he wants. I bet that's what he did for his 96th birthday. I bet he was like, you know what? You know what I want? You know a what I Camberwell want? Camberwell carrot. <laughs> Do you realise this gaff's overrun with rodents? Uh, no, bifters aside, he's the only person, Wikipedia says, uh, to have won BAFTAs in all of the categories uh, black and white, colour, high definition, <laughs> 3D and 4K resolutions. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. Because he's the only person who's been, like, making telly for 70 years since there was only black and white. Like, what a pointless thing to say. It's like the only person who's been in every episode of Sustainable is Dave. <laughs> like, that's true. Oh, that is true, actually. That God, is true. I haven't yeah. even been in every episode of my own podcast. No, that's right. That's right. <sighs> depressing. Anyway, yeah. So he's been doing this for a long time, is the point. And he has, as you say, brought an ever-increasing... A plethora of amazing TV techniques to our screens in order that we see and crucially learn and understand more about the world on which uh, we live and increasingly Norse. Um So, yeah, OK, let's just knock off the age thing first. Um, he is, and I can't think of another way to put this, f***ing old. Yeah. We're not going to be ageist, are we? Are no, we? no, but it's just... And he's the same age as the Queen, isn't he, famously, who at the time of recording is still alive. Um, uh, yeah, but it's not, not, the signs aren't looking great. Uh, but anyway, same age as the Queen. Jesus. So born, what? You've, cha- you've changed from your upbringing. If you just said that sort of thing when you were brought up, you'd have been hung, drawn and quartered and head stuck on the pike of wherever it is you lived, wouldn't you? Uh, you can, no, you can not anything your aristocracy, mate. Yeah, the rules don't apply. Hey, that's good, though. That'll edge you one seat closer, won't it? I know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, what am I now? 17th in line or something. Um, why do I, like, buy into this whole f- sodding construct that you have... Oh, I know what music is playing. I don't even... Anyway, shut up. Uh, right. He was born in 1926. And when you think about that, that is significantly closer to the end of the First World War than it is the beginning of the Second. Yeah. That's a long time ago. In the same year, I read, Scottish inventor, John Logie Baird. Yeah, my dabadoo. Yep, that's the one. (laughs) Demonstrated a mechanical television system at his London laboratory for members of the Royal Institution. So there wasn't, there wasn't even telly, or sort of just about was that year in a conceptual style when he was born. There, There wasn't telly. The person who was king of England was George V and he still had another 10 years to go. The queen who's been on the throne for like ever and ever and ever wasn't yet on the throne. She was only born that same year. It's a long time ago. It was 40 years before England would go on to win the World Cup in football. Like, it was a really long time ago that he was born, is all I wanted to say. 
I'll tell you what, while we're talking about aged environmentalists, James Lovelock, right? Still going. The guy who did the Gaia Theory, which I maintain is one of the most extraordinary, extraordinary things. And if you haven't read it again, go and read it. It's a wee book and it's amazing. Mm. 102 and still going strong. It was in the paper the other day talking about something. That is exceptional. I didn't know he was that old. I knew he was still alive and I knew he was old, but I didn't know he was that old. That is quite something. So we're not going to be, we're not going to fall into that trap. We're not going to be ageist. We're not going to ask the question about what he smells like or anything like that. We're not going to do it all. What does he smell like? I bet he smells lovely. I bet he smells lovely. I don't know. He spent a lot of his career in like, do you remember that famous clip where he was standing on a literal mountain of batshit? The crew's goal here was to try and convey the sheer scale of this mound of droppings. <laughs> I have some sympathy with that after some experience I had this weekend, but yes. And yeah, do you, look, do you want to talk about that? No. He was born on a university campus. His dad was, like, boss of said university. Uh, university College Leicester, it was. Um... He's got, you know, so not, posh... not, not one of the not a proper uni then. No, no, a sort of, <laughs> you know, a lesser educational establishment. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I don't know. He like he, he went to posh schools. He went he's to grammar of, schools. But he's kind of old posh. So like, that's, that's posher than me. But he's kind of old posh, and I don't mean old as in he is old, but as in like what it means to be posh has changed over the last hundred years. Right. Yes. A bit. And to any extent, I don't think his poshness, it genuinely never occurs to me whether he's posh or not. And I don't think people would care. And he's, when you're old posh, I think people like it. People like old posh, don't they? I think they do. National treasures are old posh. It's funny, isn't it? Because young posh is really objectionable. Yes. I should know. But old posh seems sort of trustworthy. Yeah. And. And almost endearing, like slightly harmless old posh. You know, that, that sort of idea of like harmless, bumbling old aristocrat, you know, whatever. Um, and I, yeah, because it's strange, isn't it? We're, it's not strange. We have talked before on this podcast about how certainly in this country, we are apparently very comfortable being ruled over by uh, the poshest bits of society and the richest bits of society despite 99% of society being neither posh nor rich um so i suppose it's not that surprising that everybody in this country and seemingly everywhere else loves posh dicky a no that's his brother uh david a ale patty said is this richard attenborough a relation of yours <laughs> dave drew himself to his not inconsiderable height and replied, only distant. Here's this thing you found. You found that he was a rabid capitalist. That's an interesting thing to find. At 11 years old, you found, he struck a deal selling newts to University College Leicester, where, as you mentioned, he was brought up, for 3D, three pence each, and the kicker being that the newts only came from five metres away <laughs> from, from a pond. Um, yeah, people I quite like that. Anyway. <laughs> Entrepreneurial yeah. spirit, yeah. I suppose that the flip side of being born in a university uh, was that he just got his, spent his whole time scrabbling around looking for newts and things. Um and I quite like the fact that he was a tight bastard and managed to <laughs> fleece people into buying stuff which was already on their land. Yeah, newts seem to be his kind of gateway drug on the natural world. Uh, lots of stuff about him and newts. 
Uh, Newt's are good. Well done, Newt. Well done, David. Uh, but yeah, rabid capitalist. Interestingly, though, he has finally, finally, and again, I think mm. we talked about this on the babble before, come round to the idea that maybe capitalism is itself the problem. And it, I mean, environmentalists were for years and years and years basically saying the following about David Attenborough. Like, yes, lovely teleprograms. Yes, isn't it great that people like um, colourful animals? Yes, Borneo looks lovely. But can we maybe have some TV programmes that mention the fact that A, it's all being chopped down and B, the reason it's being chopped down is like capitalism, uh, the way our economies work, blah, blah, blah. And he he studiously avoided that for a very long time. Uh, But yeah, what did he say? In 2020, I think he just about got it over the line. Uh, He said, that's right. He said, the excesses the capitalist system has brought us have got to be curbed somehow. Now, yeah, it's not Chairman Mao, is it? It's not Chairman Mao. You know, he didn't say that at the front of a massive march of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people demanding the dismantling of all of the banking institutions. But it's different to where he was. And it's, you know, I think you should give it, it, relative to where he was and considering his stature, it's hell of a thing to say, I think. And it's quite interesting to chart, we've had quite a few of them on here, to chart ageing environmentalists who tend to go one of two ways on the whole capitalism thing, right? They tend to kind of have started out wanting to smash the system and then end up going, actually, maybe I like capitalism, or have ended up inside the system and have ended up going, actually, maybe capitalism is the problem. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but he's definitely in that latter category, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy, particularly in this day and age, to try and put someone in good or bad bracket. Um, but and... that's what we do. We literally, we literally have categories of good and bad, Inhofe and anti-Inhofe. I know. You'll be telling me next that Senator James Inhofe needs to go and anti-Inhofe of the week, at which point the babble implodes I th- and yes, the internet I think, breaks. <laughs> I think that is what happened. Hang on a minute. Haven't we put Attenborough in Inhofe Corner before? I think we have, yes. I think we have. I what cannot for? remember what, what for. It, what had he done? I don't know. Can you, uh, that, uh, Richard, you're the guy I think who's just listened to every single episode of Babble. What is it we put Attenborough in Inhofe Corner for? Can you remember? Let us know. I think I might have been joking. I hope so. Although, as we're going to come to in a minute, uh, he's done some controversy, so we do need to talk about that. Now, look, other things I found out about David Attenborough that I did not know uh, include the fact he has never owned and, in fact, never driven, certainly legally, a a car. Uh, He hasn't passed his driving test and he doesn't own a car, never has. What do you think of that? For, you know, for someone of the generation that oversaw the boom of the car. I think it tells you he's a bit posh, is what I think it tells you. You think he's just been driven everywhere? Well, there's got to be there's got to be an element of him never having actually needed to, which I, you know, admittedly he was born like when the car wasn't really a thing. Um, uh, my mum, my mum has never owned a car, has never wanted to, never. Some people just don't. I was talking to my mate the other day, our age, no interest in driving. Um, some people just, some people just don't. And if you don't need one, for whatever reason, be it because you're posh or because, you know, you get driven around by other people or you've got buses or you walk everywhere, then, you know, 
grand, isn't it? Or you're, or you're not posh, uh, quite the opposite, as uh, my yes. extremely viral tweet, as somebody described it the other day, uh, when, you know, when I tweeted out the graph, there is a load of people who don't have uh, yes, any cars wanted... and they're at the bottom of the income group. So yes, I wanted go. to ask you about this. You hmm. went Twitter-wise on something of a roller coaster ride, didn't you? Because you, <laughs> one week you were telling me in the middle of the night or something, Dave, 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 wake up, Dave, yeah. Dave, look at my tweet, which has got 10 retweets. It's amazing, right? Oi, it got up to a thousand. It went, it was, by my very low standards, exceptionally viral. And then the next you can't time, qualify viral. It's either viral or it isn't. But, and know. then the next time we had a conversation about Twitter, you were like, oh yeah, I've gone off that. I've deleted my account. Yeah. I'm so gone. what happened? <laughs> what was the what was the train of events? Well, partly that, partly reflecting on how utterly pathetic it was that I was genuinely excited. Like the dopamine was off quite the, intense. Off the chart, yes. From seeing because yes. you know I've never had any need to like mute my mentions or whatever. You know, you know, famous people like turn off all of their Twitter notifications. I've never had any need to do that. So my phone was just going nuts, and I was like. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is brilliant. And then a few days afterwards, I was reflecting on it and I thought that tweet had absolutely no bearing on anything of any importance. And yet I got excited about it. Hmm. And I've been on Twitter for 12 years or something and have essentially been waiting all that time for something like that to happen. (laughs) And I just thought that is pathetic. And I waste so much time on Twitter. And more importantly, I spend so much time kind of eroding my own ability to form an opinion because I just absorb so many other people's opinions. And I'm like, oh, God, well, I can't work out what I think, blah, 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 blah. So I just, I didn't put any thought into it. I just, in the instant, I just deleted my account. And I feel good for having deleted Deleted, gone forever, gone. Yeah, gone forever, gone. Although I don't really know what's going on anymore. I know what's on the Guardian homepage and on the BBC homepage. I couldn't tell you much else. Well, the good news is that Twitter's not generally going in a good direction and Donald Trump's coming back on it. So, oh, uh, super. Well, probably, <laughs> probably, like a... probably best off out of it, mate. I got out just in time. It was not correct to ban Donald Trump. I think that was, that was a mistake. Um, I would reverse the perma ban. I would say I'm not... I don't own Twitter yet, so this is not like a thing that will definitely happen, because what if I don't own Twitter? Hello, I'm Chris Packham, and you're listening to Sustainababble. Right, look, oh, there are 100,000 facts about David Attenborough on account of how him having been around since facts were, were invented. So, uh, what are the most important things we need to know? The thing that I didn't know until relatively recently, by which I mean, you know, as a well into adulthood, was that he used to be the boss of the whole BBC, right? Or something like uh, that. Well, close to Boss it, of yeah. BBC he, Two. He, he started out his working life as a suit. He was... He was <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. Not human. Suit. Just oh. full blind suit. Uh, yeah, the, he was, like he, the taxidermy episode last week? That's right. He's so old that he is actually stuffed, um, and no one's realised. And it was before it became illegal to uh, to stuff it. Go and listen to the previous episode if that doesn't make sense. Um, No, he was a suit. He was a uh, he was the man. He got uh, relatively junior jobs in the BBC, and then uh, became the controller of this newfangled uh, station of the BBC. It's called BBC Two. Um, and I think was like director of all of their programming at some point. So Amazing. like, yeah, very, very senior. 
So that was, you know, he was all sort of serious and senior and commissioning things. It wasn't just making naturey things. He was in charge of the whole lot of it. Um, and that is what he, yeah, he spent his early career doing. So we are, us whippersnappers, you and me, you know, who came to know him as this kind of gorilla hugging uh, dude in a flat jacket. And we have missed out a whole bunch of his stories. He was even in the Navy before all that uh, for a couple of years. So there you go. Yeah. And didn't he um, pack in being the boss of stuff? Because he was like, I want to go hug more gorillas. Yeah. I bore, I bore, like Captain Kirk when they made Captain Kirk an admiral. And he would be much rather out there flying spaceships. And so he deliberately did an act of insubordination so they would demote him, which they did. And that was kind of what David Attenborough did. But I don't think he killed any Klingons. If I may be so bold, it was a mistake for you to accept promotion. Commanding a starship is your first best destiny. Anything else? I did that at work once. Did you? Yep. Deliberately did insubordinate stuff so you get... No, not insubordinate. I demoted myself. I said, oh, That's crap. different. You do that every week on air. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, 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 question for you. Question for you. Is yeah. he and Inhofe about the following, right? Now, good friend of ours is very much of the opinion that Amber is a Inhofe because of his views on population. Now, we have had a chat about this in episode, I think, 115, 114, somewhere around there, about population. We talked to the director of campaigns of Population Matters. Controversial and vexed area. Good interview. Go and listen to it. But Attenborough is the patron, or was the patron of that organisation. Is, still is. And has been steadfast for years and years and years and years and years about there being frankly, too many people. And that, to quote him, instead of controlling the environment for the benefit of the population, perhaps it's time we controlled the population to allow the survival of the environment. I can't think of a single problem that wouldn't be easier to solve if there were less people. Uh, And um, the projections now uh, are uh, awesome. Controversial thing. It is controversial. Again, it was very tempting to reduce his entire views on this down to a couple of quotes that one can dig out and take them out of context. But there is no denying that he thinks there are too many people on the planet and he thinks that when when the population does, the global population does stabilise, which most clever sciencey people think it will do at some point. Not by definition um, it will do at some point, won't it? It's going to stabilise at a number which is too high. Mm. That's what he thinks. Um, yeah, God, this is such a horrible thing. Well, look, we did talk look, about this back in episode 115, didn't we? About like, yeah. and, and dance the sort of tiptoey dance around all of that. Yeah. Then. Uh, what I will say is I think, a bit like on capitalism, I think in the last few years he started to say some slightly more sensible things. Like he started to kind of advocate things that would have the impact of sort of reducing birth rates like uh, closing inequality, re- mm. increasing uh, family uh, access to family planning, increasing... Empowerment of women and women's rights and uh, all that, you know, with uh, women's education, blah, 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 blah. All the things which are definitely good and probably would have an increase, uh, would have a decrease in birth rate. And I've always been of the view of like, well, why not just advocate those things because they're good rather than advocating those things because you want there to be less people? Which I seem to remember is exactly what you said when we had that chat. Yes. Yes. it is, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I, I think he's, you know, he has also recognised in his defence, he said a lot of times, it's, I paraphrase, it's not a good look, a European saying people in Africa and Asia need to have less babies. Like, And he said many, many times, you know, the right to have a child is the most precious and important thing. And who am I, as in he, uh, to uh, to pronounce on that right either way. Um, so I don't think he's like a total, total inhoff on this. But he is also, to give it some context, widely reckoned to be one of the most travelled people on the globe. Uh, he, <laughs> you know... David Attenborough's contribution to planetary... Oh, uh, bloody hell. You can't have that. No, no, you can have it. You can have it because I'm not saying it's him in in an individual sense, but like he represents a section of global society that is responsible for the overwhelming contribution to the problem. I I thought you meant he shouldn't have been off in Borneo making them documentaries because of the carbon emissions. No, I don't think so. I think the the benefit to humanity of David Attenborough's work far outweighs the direct um, like carbon emissions of his uh, of his travels. Put that in your babble calculator. Okay. Well, he has for one series, for instance. Oh, where's it? Where's that bloody note gone? I wrote this down. Where is it? It's here. In, for the Life of Birds documentary, he travels two hundred and fifty six thousand miles for one documentary, go. the equivalent of traveling around the world ten times. There. Now I haven't travelled around the world ten times, um, but you have n- mm, all added up on your yeah, feet. Maybe, yeah, maybe I have. Anyway, point is, he's done a lot of travelling, but of course he's done a lot of travelling. He makes nature programmes about uh, stuff all over the world. I'm well, just it's like all in bloody environmental campaigners fly into them climate talks, isn't it? You know, they claim to be saving the world, but how much carbon emissions is produced by that? Hypocrites. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> now look, no one is to stone anyone until I blow this whistle. Do you understand? Even, and I want to make this absolutely clear, even if they do say Jehovah. Um, what was I saying? My point is, yeah, if you are posh, rich, white, Western, have lived an extremely rich and fulfilled life travelling where the hell you want... It's not a great look to be saying the problem is too many people are having too many babies. Uh, and, and he acknowledges that, but I think he probably needs to pipe down a bit on population stuff because of that, really. What if I'm the only hero left? You better fire off your gun. Now, this leads to... The main question I wanted, well, the main issue, the the reason why I suggested to you that it'd be a good thing to talk about this is not because I'm particularly interested in cantering through David Attenborough's life history, but I am really, really interested in the in pedestals. I don't mean in the way that like you're interested in speaker cabinets. I mean like. <laughs> Pedestals, the pedestals that we put people on, the heroes that we make, the the fact I've got that one someone... of those orange kind of collapsible IKEA pedestals that I put my kids on to brush their teeth. Very, very convenient, I have to say. Although they sort of pinch when you close them up, they pinch quite quickly, and if you get a bit of you in there uh, that you don't want to get in there, it can be very nasty. I suggest you take a lot of care with bits of you in that mm. circumstance. Mm. Then, um, what the hell was I saying? Pedestals, pedestals. David Attenborough is as close to 
Jesus, and we're going to come, I'm not very much not diminishing what we were just talking about, about controversial views, but for most people, he is like the most revered, trusted, loved person on environmental issues and in general, arguably that has ever lived. Like John Lennon got in all that trouble for saying bigger than Jesus. I bet there's more people alive now are fond of David Attenborough than Jesus. Not sure about that. Can't back it up. But anyway, like there's a survey. Um, there's a survey. From, I'd love to see your workings. For that <laughs> there's, one. A, there's a survey from an organisation called Climate Outreach, very good organisation, who I strongly recommend, um, who said, who found that he is the second most trusted uh, type of communicator on climate change behind climate scientists. So like people trust what climate scientists say and David Attenborough and then like everybody else in the, it, you know, like environmental campaigners, farmers, school strikers, everybody else pales into insignificance, like universally trusted. Even people who are climate sceptic or who are, you know, just not bothered about climate go, yeah, if he talks about climate change, I believe him, right? And he's like properly revered. So the two questions are, number one, is that a good thing? Like, is it, what was it tell us about the fact that a 96-year-old white old man is so kind of in the national consciousness as being climate saviour champion thing? And then also, like, is it good to do that considering that everyone is complicated and there's stuff that he thinks that, yeah. is, that is confusing? Does it, like, we attach so much to individuals, don't we? And like, exactly. It, and that's just so risky. And it's to use a football analogy, you're playing the man, not the ball there. And we've got to be playing the ball, not the man. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I do find it icky, but I, I'm also fascinated as to as to why he's so trusted. Like, because he didn't, for as we've discussed, he didn't for all that time spend years and years making climate change documentaries. He did a different thing. He wasn't making climate change documentaries and then he started talking about it. So and is I, it the fact that's that... that's the answer, right? That's the he's answer. just... Uh, People love what he has done for so long that then whatever he turns his voice to, people are like, "Yeah, fair enough." Is yeah, that is it as I, simple as that? Well, possibly a couple of I don't know. You tell me a couple of two, a couple of two things, a couple of two things, a couple of two. Things. Uh, the first couple of things being uh, that he's just been around our whole entire lives, like the Queen. Like um, I heard someone describe themselves the other day as an a, a Queen favouring anti monarchist, which I think is my position on the whole thing. And like someone's been around for so long that. Like the first time we ever saw a nature documentary for the vast majority of people that are around, David Attenborough was doing it, right? So you just like, you just trust him. And then, but more importantly, yeah, is he's well, always. No, no, no. But he has, but there are loads of people who've been around for so long. And often, certainly in this country, there is a kind of point at which people get so old that you completely dismiss what they say out of hand. You know, like old people's views are just, oh, there goes, there goes Uncle Dave and his mad views about, you know, clouds who's laughing now <laughs> it, shut up but no but that's the point isn't it is that like he was talking has talked for 60 odd years whatever it is however long he's been doing the documentaries for passionately authentically with wonder with just like human loveliness mm. about this amazing stuff that he's seeing he's not been selling you anything he's not been polemicizing he's just been him showing you this wonderful stuff you've been enchanted because he's been enchanted and together you've kind of done this thing right and there are people who say 
well, he should have been banging on about smashing capitalism and it's all the fault of the oil companies 40 years ago. And then if he'd have done that, we'd have saved the planet. But it sort of ignores the fact that the only reason people now listen to him is because he spent all of that time not being a controversial figure and not like his views didn't go old because he didn't really have views other than nature is sodding brilliant. Right? Yes, exactly. I suppose he was kind of a bit like the Queen in that you never really knew what he, what exactly. he thought. Um, and I suppose his skill was presenting himself not as the expert on all of this stuff. You know, he very much was like, this is what I have learned from the scientists studying this stuff. And his skill was communicating it. Um, and maybe that is part of it. Maybe the fact he hasn't actually sort of hectored and lectured and said, look, silly people, these are the facts and this is what you need to know. It's more kind of, wow, I've just learned this amazing thing about what this spider can do. Um, isn't it exciting? I'm excited about it. And and it's infectious. So yeah, I suppose. Yeah, which is probably not be... lots of lessons then for all of us, right? On how to well, earn you've, trust. You've talked about this just in Babbles recently, and we've talked about Babbles Passim. Babbles Passim about how you neither you or I, I think, have ever. In fact, we did this in episode 177, I think, in our question and answer episode when someone asked us about something, something, something. But you were talking about how you've never been someone to go you should be a greenie like me, you should not eat meat like me. You've just kind of lived it. And then as a result, your friends are now going, yeah, I've been really inspired by the way you've just had a normal life and yet, you know, do things. And I think I've tried to be the same as well. And like, it, it's not to say you can't be black or white about it in, insofar as he probably could at some point have said some slightly broader messages. But the basic point is like people trust him. He was someone like me, someone I trusted, someone in my life. And therefore you listen to him when it matters, right? We have been putting things off year after year. Uh, we've been raising targets uh, and saying, oh, well, we, if we do it within the next 20 years or if we do it... The moment of crisis has come. He has not always kept his views to himself, however. Uh, he has increasingly been signing petitions, Dave, and as we all know, signing petitions is how change happens. He signed a petition along with Slash, the guitarist what? Slash. Uh, right, I thought you were saying along with Slash in conjunction with <laughs> several other <laughs> no, activists. Slash yeah. underneath. Uh, no, he signed a petition with uh, Slash. He also signed a petition and Brian May. I don't know if he was only guitarists that signed this petition Hairy uh, against Badgicole. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he said Badgicole bad. Don't want that. Uh, he endorsed friend of the Babel Caroline Lucas in the run up to the uh, 2015 election. Um, it, you know, David Attenborough endorses Green candidate is, I suppose, not. Wildly surprising, but, but he, good but that he, he did it. He wouldn't have, have done that. He wouldn't have done that twenty, thirty years ago. No, that's very true. It's very true. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's he's uh, he's done. He's put his he's put his views out there a bit more. Uh, and fair enough. Uh, good on you. And uh, he also signed a statement. Oh, he signs a statement. He's a, he's a statement. Steiner and a petition yeah. stamper. Oh yes, oh, the yeah. whole gamut. Uh, along gamut. with celebrity. A gamut. What? No, not gamut. Gamut. He signed a statement with a celebrity contrarian uh, humanist person, Richard Dawkins, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff, basically saying, Oi, stop teaching or allowing the teaching of creationism um, from in the school science 
curriculum and he wanted evolution to be taught more widely in schools. So, yes, has views, has expressed them. And I think those views are good. I support those ones. Well, what they are is they're good. Like, they're not smash the system strident views. They're the kind of views that sensible people have about the environment and climate and stuff. It's like most people think... We should do something about climate change. We should protect nature. And like making money at the expense of chopping down the rainforest is a bad thing. Um, right? And yeah. so like him saying it maybe just gives clearance to other people. Maybe this is the most important thing. It's clearance to other people who are like him, who don't see themselves as sort of plate smashing radicals, but who instead are just normal people who like kind of suspect that maybe things are a bit buggered. But it's nice when David Attenborough comes out and goes, things are a bit buggered. But he doesn't say you've got to go chain yourself to Lambeth Bridge. He just says like, you know, this is all bad and, and and look at all this. It makes me think a bit of what Brian Cox does on the whole spacey thing. And I know it's a bit different, but like why why Brian Cox's spacey stuff is so good is because it's fundamentally about like, look how amazing this stuff is. Yeah. And like, wouldn't it be yeah. good to kind of, then, then Brian Cox goes and talks about, so we need more science in school, please. And people listen to him because he's kind of inspired people. A similar sort of effort, isn't it? I think so. And I, I, you've touched on his kind of authenticity before but i think it's very very important and i think potentially that is why um he's so trustworthy because you don't you know there are lots of people who say cool things and say you know they're very right on and they do cool things but you sort of in this cynical world in which we live you sort of assume they're you know burning fridges in their spare time or they're at least doing something unsavory that they wouldn't want um their adoring public to know about because that frankly, that happens a lot, doesn't it? You know, people get put up on a pedestal and then they get uh, taken down. But with Attenborough, you, I mean, frankly, he's just so prolific in terms of making all these TV shows. He probably doesn't have time to do any some uh, do anything particularly devious. But you just get the impression that he genuinely is scrabbling around looking at weird insects the whole time going, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this marvellous? And I asked my, I've got a journalist, mate. And uh, I said, right, come on, give me some goss. There must be some goss <laughs> on Attenborough. What is... You What's know, he what, said you know, about Rebecca Vardy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the dirt on Attenborough? Um, and he got me with this, to be fair. He was like, you know, I won't use the word that he used, uh, but you know he's actually, uh, right, uh, terrible prima donna, he said. Um, unpaid child support payments all over the place to the abandoned kids he fathers whenever he goes abroad on a filming trip. Um, and uh, <laughs> that I could, for a minute there, I was believing you, right. and that yeah. I could quote an unnamed source not very close to the ninety-six-year-old naturalist. Uh, so yes, that isn't true. And then the, the same journalist mate said he's actually the only thing standing between me and utter cynicism about the world. There you are now. Now, and this I assume is somebody who's not mad into the environment. No, no, exactly. Well, there we are. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, bright, blessed days. I just think there's something, the main thing for me is that sense of wonder and that, like most people out there in the world, and particularly in the UK, which is what I've I've only real feel qualified to talk about, like don't see it the way that activists see it any of this stuff. They don't see, like, climate as an intensely political issue. They should, but they don't. They don't see, like, climate and saving the rainforest and recycling and plastic as being all different things. It's all just one kind of 
thing. It's the thing that people really care about. They're like, I like nature. I like the planet. It's good. Um, but they don't see it as all this, all this different stuff. And I, I think a massive key to getting people excited about saving, doing stuff about the climate, is just getting them to feel really excited about the planet and the world and this general sense of, like, trees good, bonobos good, David Attenborough good, recycling good, maybe climate good. And he just normalises this stuff. And I think that is... He's done us a massive service. And no, I don't think it would have worked if he was banging on about smashing capitalism for 40 years, because aside from anything else, the Beeb would have took him off. So there you are. Yeah. Quite simply wonderful. <laughs> right, that is just about it another episode of Babble. Thank you very, very much, Dave, uh, for babbling so magnificently. Thank you, David Attenborough, for being David Attenborough. And uh, happy birthday for last week. Happy birthday, sir, Dave. I'm sure you're listening. Uh, Lots of other things to find out. Go and Google about uh, David Attenborough. There's loads of interesting stuff, uh, including all the species that have been named after him, some badass species like beetles uh, and a plant that... What? They're just called Attenborough, aren't they? Yeah, Attenborough, Att- Attenborough, Attenboroughalis or something. Uh, yeah, also like some massive plant that eats rats, because apparently he hates rats, um, which what? I think... What? Yeah, I know. There you Hang go. on re- a minute. I know. I know. Another thing, that re- reason why he should be in Inhofe Corner. Um, but yeah, fantastic stuff to be reading and researching, so go and do that. Uh, thank you very much to Dickie Moore, who does the music that begins, ends and intertwinkles this podcast, and to Arthur Stobel, who does the logo. Uh, what adorns our stuff, including T-shirts, that can be bought from our website, www.sustainababble.fish. You can get in touch with us all. I'm going to do this flawlessly. You can send us an email to hello at sustainababble.fish. You can find us on Facebook by just searching for Sustainababble. And we, although not all, are on the Twitter at the Babble Wagon. Oi, does that mean I've got to man that account by myself now? Or are you going to chuck in with that sometimes? Well, no, because I still have a Twitter login, unless you've changed the password and barred me from it but uh no i will still i will uh, still check occasionally very good yeah, yeah so do tweet we do look i'll if you if you tweet i will read it with his eyes yeah uh we are a listener funded podcast please give us some money uh to keep going uh as long as david attenborough has gone uh you can do so by going to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash sustainable thank you very much to the people who give us cash uh we need more people like you right Oh, I am off to travel around the world 256,000 times in order to make a documentary that brings joy to the masses. What are you off to do? Tweet. Okay, bye. Bye! Hey, oh, 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 hey, oh, hey, oh, 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 oh. Go on. Hey, oh, oh, Says the man who had a hard stop and had to... Yeah, well, I'm still having Oh, well, we're in time, actually. Yeah, yeah. we're and in time. You can drag this out. Yeah, okay. Uh, hey, oh, 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 oh. Uh, yes. Friend of mine, uh, not me because I'm a vegan, but I went to have a curry with a friend of mine the other day and he asked for a chicken taka. Have you ever had a chicken taka? Uh, no. It's like a chicken tikka, but a little otter. But it's, it doesn't really work because then it's like chicken <laughs> <I don't>. osser. <laughs> I know. Shut up. It's a good joke. Shut up. Um, it's a medium joke.